Well, have we remembered how to do this? Uh, I think we open our Bibles, right? <laughs> it's, been a, it's been way too long. Now open your Bibles, whatever you brought the Word in this morning, uh, whether it's in your tablet or your uh, phone, uh, but whatever it is, turn to James. I know some of your Bibles and your, your tablets automatically go there because we've been in James a long time. Today, we're wrapping up the book of James. Can we get a yeah? All right. Amen. We, uh, for such a small little book, we have spent a lot of time there because there's so much in there for us to learn. We said from the very beginning that James is like a, a New Testament proverb. There's so much wisdom, there's so much practical application in our lives. But we also said that James is a very difficult book because some of us that have that perfectionist mentality, we struggle with books like James because there's so much there that we think, you know what, I can do that. I can, I can carry that. I'll be the one that shows you that I can live by faith and not by sight. I'll be a doer, not just a hearer of the word, that I will always be merciful, that I'll always be patient, and I will always find God's wisdom. And as we shared last week, the truth of the matter is we all fall short, and we need God's help. We need his word in our life. We need his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We need each other. And I think it's fitting that James, on the closing of his, uh, of his, store, of his letter, really comes back to some very, very sound principle things that we need to get a hold of in our lives when it comes to learning how to walk together. It's interesting, last week I attended a, a meeting of the University City Partners. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, in Charlotte we have different development zones. There's the uh, Center City Partners uptown, and then out here it's the University City Planners. And basically they, they're over the development, what's taking place around us. And they had a gathering for pastors because what they're recognizing is the needs that are around us are too great to be met by social services alone, that people need to be whole both in their mind, their body, and, oh, by way, the spirit, Right? But one thing they shared, they were talking about the developments that are coming our way because of the train coming out and all that. And they did a survey, and they said, what is the one thing people want in this community? What's the number one thing that people want today? And it was interesting. The answer was they want a walkable community. In other words, they want to go back in time, right? They're, they're, they're realizing what we recognize in the church today is that a lot of things that we thank God for, the mobility and all that, have done something that tears the very fabric of how God created us to live because what we are seeing is we are being torn apart out of community into a group of bunch of strangers that kind of live next to each other. And sadly, it's not really different in the church very much. It's not because we are highly mobile, we're incredibly busy, we're amazingly lonely society, and outside of family, most times people have very little community in their lives. I mean, think about it. We've moved away from seeking what is convenient to seeking what, what we think is most beneficial. And we've traded in stuff. We, we no longer have the, the, the neighborhood Little League. We have Travel Club where you come from all over the parts of the city because we're going to gather together. We don't have neighborhood churches. And I don't complain about that because we gather from all around the city. But we've moved in kind of that big box mentality. Nothing wrong with that big box. But what it does, it tells us we have to work hard at some things. And we have to prioritize some things that God says we need in our lives. And I think one of the biggest things we need in this day is we need community. We need to, to recognize that we are part of something that is, that is bigger than we are, but yet we are small enough and intimate enough to know each other to carry out God's work. Because pretty much today, here's what happens. We go to church with casual acquaintances. We, we, we know each other sort of. We can smile and laugh, but yet we really haven't got that intimacy of what God says in his word leads us to be able to carry out his word we're studying here in the book of James. And here's what the problems are with that. 
You see, the problems come in, in many shapes and forms, and they're not something we just kind of rail about and say, oh, we, we hate culture. No, the problems are there, but they're there for us to address. And to say, okay, God, out of your word, by your spirit, then how do we adapt? How do we create real community today? Because here's what, what the problems we deal with. Church, for most people, has become something you go to instead of something you are. It's become something you go to instead of something you are. We go to service at a place, participate in a program, and that is so far removed from what Jesus and the early disciples taught that the gathering of the saints was to be about. You see, the ecclesia, the gathering, the early church was all about knowing it was all about knowing and being known. It was about coming to a place that, that we refer to to say, this is my, my church, my family, so that I am known and I know others, and I'm a part of this instead of just something I show up to. And I become an integral part. Without me, it doesn't function the way it ought to function. The second thing that it kind of creates with mobility is in our, in our day and age is that we think of Christianity as a private relationship. It's between us and God, Right? It's between me and God, it's between me and the man upstairs, whatever term you use. And basically what we say in that is that we are no longer to submission to the Bible or to anyone else as long as I have peace in my life. In fact, there's a new spiritual trump card <laughs> that, I, that I find in the church today. It used to, it was, well, God told me. And what do you say to that when you're trying to counsel someone? They say, well, God told me to do that. Well, I'm not God, I can't trump that. But the new trump card is this, I have a peace about it. I know I'm leaving my wife. I know I'm not doing right by my kids. I know I'm a, but I have peace about it. What? Yeah, there's no peace in that. I, I, I'm not going to be a part of a church. I'm going to belong to the church. I'm going to travel around, never be engaged, never be known, but I have a peace about that because I think it's what God wants in my life. Where in the Bible did you read that? You see, the mobility has created this detachment from community that's led us to the place where we can't even carry out much of the Scripture. We, we can't even carry out so many of the, of, the, of the commands of the Scripture. In fact, the Word tells us that if we don't have community, that we have nowhere to live out the one another's of the, of the Bible. I don't know, depending on your translation of the Bible you study, there's between 30 and 55 commands of the Bible in the New Testament that cannot be carried up outside of community. Loving each other, caring for each other, looking out for each other, challenging each other, bearing one another's burdens, these are all found in community. But yet when we read the New Testament, it doesn't speak to this a lot. Because in the day it was written, this wasn't a problem. In the day it was written, it was an agrarian society, it was a, a close-knit community, and people came together because it's where they did life with one another. And I want to just kind of get that background this morning before we dive into this last little bit of James. In fact, I want to take you to a different book, uh, very close to James, the book of Hebrews, just for a moment. You don't even turn there, we'll put it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10, so we kind of understand the setting of what James is speaking about this morning. He said in Hebrews 10, verse 24, he said, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I, I grew up in church. Uh, I, I know some of you, that's, that's your story. A lot of you, it's not. But I grew up here in verse 25 a lot. And that verse 25 was basically used to justify this thought. Every time the doors are open, you and your family need to be there. And buddy, we were. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, two weeks revivals in the early spring and in the summer. I mean, prayer meeting, you name it, we were there. I was the baby that grew up under the pew, okay? Because my mom was the church pianist, my dad was a deacon. I was churched, but it took me until I was about 16 to actually figure out I could have a relationship with Christ. Big difference, right? 
But what it's saying is not that. That's not what he was speaking about here. It wasn't trying to whip us into, hey, you need to make sure you're there. What he was saying is this. He says we are to be a community so that we can spur each other on. That like iron sharpening iron, that we can encourage, we can, we can use positive peer pressure, if you want to call that, to, to agitate, to provoke, to, to lead each other to a life that is pursuing the righteousness of Christ. But if we have no community, then no one is spurring us on. If we dwell in anonymity, then we have no responsibility. And that's what James wraps this letter up with in James chapter 5. Because he speaks of something that is so common to you and I, but it will never take place outside of community. Because he says in this, in James chapter 5, verse 19, he says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns the sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Pray with me. Father, God, I know this series, God, in many ways has been difficult, and we've talked, Lord God, about, Father, how you lead us in progress, God, and and not to perfection, God, but, Lord, that we are growing, we are struggling, we are wrestling with this, God, because you are changing us, Lord, deep inside. And, God, I pray this morning that as we hear this word taught, God, that, Lord, it would come alive in us, And Father, we would see ourselves in it, God, no matter what side of the equation we land on, God, but in all of that, God, we would look to you, God, to bring wholeness into us. So Father, give us those ears to hear, God, but Lord, even so, more than that, God, give us a heart to respond this morning to you. For I pray this in Christ's name, amen. When you read the verses of James in James chapter 5, what it's assuming is, and it's a big assumption, is that we would actually know when somebody's wandering. Think about that. They would actually would know when someone starts drifting off the center of truth. Now, now that may sound like a, a nice command, but the reality is, is that every one of us wander. We, we are wanderers by nature. It's something we all struggle with. I, I, hello, hello, my name is Mike, and I'm a wanderer. There are times I drift. There are times I struggle with truth. There are times that I, I, I wonder what, what's really happening but thank God, I am also a person in community. I'm also a person that have people that know me. Not the image of me, but they know me. And because of that, they help me come back away from that wandering to the place where I find truth that allows me to serve God and to, and to celebrate his goodness and to walk in his blessing. You see, what James was saying here, he was saying that without true community, no one will know or have the privilege of speaking into our lives. We will, we will not be set in a place of health because we've so isolated ourselves from others that no one will even know whether we are drifting or not. Now, let's define wandering because uh, it sounds like a, a small thing, but really, if you study what James is saying, it's a big thing because he says every wanderer in this, in this picture is wandering away from the truth and living in the lie of disobedience. And that's why he says when you bring someone back, remember, it's leading them back away from the sin that was the error of their way, and it will save them from death and cover the multitude of sins. So what does it look like to wander? Because we kind of minimize it. Oh, yeah, I'm just not where I used to be. I, I, I'll be okay. And, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what it is to be in God's presence anymore. And I, I know I'm not really showing up and being known. But here, here's, I'm okay. But Galatians 5 kind of defines wandering this way. Because wandering leads us away from the spirit to the acts of the flesh. And he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. We usually stop right there and go, whew, these are some bad things. But can I tell you, it's not just the big stuff that are the acts of the flesh. Look what it says. Hatred, 
discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He's saying when we wander, our, our flesh leads us towards these things, away from the very promise of what comes at the end, and that is the righteousness of God. And what James is saying is if we're not in community, then who's going to step in? Who's going to warn us early in the drift? Who's going to come alongside and say, look, let me show you where you're going, and I don't want you to go there because I love you. Let me help you come back in. Because look at the consequences at the end of this verse. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, how many would agree this is serious this morning, right? This is not, this is not like, oh, yeah, okay. So how do we fix it? That, that's really what I want to get to. How do we fix this? If, if, if in our culture we have this problem of disconnect, and, and our duty is not just to sit back and gripe. I'm so tired of preaching that all it does is gripe about culture. Guess what? We live and we live, amen? And God called us to this day and age to make a difference, to be salt and light in our community. And we don't sit back and gripe about it, but we shine light into it because light overwhelms darkness. So here's, here's the thing. How do we fix this? Because honestly, we know some things about ourselves. We know there's some things that every one of us need. Listen, every one of us, and you're no exception to this, every one of us wants to be genuinely known. And we need to be genuinely known. I want someone that knows me, not just the image of me. I, I live in that Pastor Mike image, okay? Uh, and, and I know what that means. I know what it brings with it. But the reality is I'm just Mike Field. I was held by a parent sitting in front of a church, dedicated when I was a baby with my daddy, probably thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope he makes it. Because I was a kid that probably they prayed over the most. In fact, he told me that before he passed away. We have an image that we need people to know us as we are. Because when we are known, then we find the second thing that we all need, and that is we all need to be lovingly supported. We need someone on our side, right? We need someone that comes alongside us. So that when we go through trials, they're not just talking about us, but they're coming alongside of us, and they're helping us overcome. And the third thing we need, and I think this is the one where we struggle the most, is we need to be honestly challenged. We need to be willing to let someone talk to us, challenge us, and help us grow. And the reality is these are all connected. Listen, if I'm not known, then who's going to support me? If I'm not known, who's going to challenge me? If I'm not known, then, then I'm setting myself up to drift and to wander. Because here's the truth. Most of us don't speak into the lives of strangers. But if we do, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I had an encounter at Lowe's this week where someone did that. Here I was preaching this, and a man walked up. I had, a, I had my shirt on I, I, of, of where I went to college. I was, like, unshaven. I was, like, just pick. It was my work day, right? And the guy goes, oh, you're an Aggie. And I'm like, yeah, I am. He goes, what do you do? I said, what do you mean? He goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And for the next 30 minutes, he had his finger in my face telling me everything that was wrong with the church and how I better get on my game and I better start preaching holiness and don't be going to those places where they don't carry the Bibles. I mean, it was like old-fashioned Pentecost for 30 minutes. I was like, wow, I just wanted to pick up some caulking, okay? You know, nice to meet you. Um, God bless you. But I also am wise enough to know I walked away. I said, all right, God, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but if there's anything you wanted me to hear in there, God, please. My ears are open. Because you know what that old timer was saying? He's saying we need to get back to the power of God and not just to the organization of church. Can I tell you, he was right. He was right. 
But most of us don't speak into the lives of strangers. Listen, if I don't know you or trust you, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to hear what you have to say. It is people that genuinely know me that have a right to speak into my life, that speak truth into my life. And it's very important that I allow that because here's what happens. Here's the problem when we don't have this. You see, anonymity breeds sin. Anonymity breeds sin. You say, Mike, that sounds really old-fashioned. Well, what I'm saying is this. We all live better when someone else is watching, don't we? We were a bunch of grown-up kids is all we are. We were the same way. If mom and dad were looking, we were on our best behavior, right, most of the time. And it's no different as adults. If someone is looking into my life, we walk differently. Jesus, he spoke about this in John's gospel, in John chapter 3, verse 19. He said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light. In other words, they hate exposure. They don't, they don't want light or truth shown into their lives and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds would be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has, be done, has been done in the sight of God. I, 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 really, I really struggle in this moment of how, even in the church, we've become a none-of-your-business culture. It's none of your business. My life is private. But I found that the more someone resists the light shining into their lives, the more likely it is they're in bondage and they need to be set free. But we have this none-of-your-business going on here because privacy somehow has become considered a, not only a constitutional right, but, but a biblical right. But when you read the scripture, it's not found in the word of God at all. Because God says we are part of the body of Christ. We belong to each other. We need each other. And it may be uncomfortable at times, but when we are honest enough to hold each other accountable and to walk in community, guess what happens? Growth takes place in our lives and God's blessing flows. Paul nailed this in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. So live as children of light. Look at the fruit. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen, if we live with nothing to hide, look at the fruit that is formed. If we live in community, look at the fruit that is formed. You know, it's that power of, of glass house living, right? It's that power of, of everything is, is known or everything is exposed. It's, it's, it's there for people to know. Listen, it, we live it out practically when we walk every day saying, I'm going to live my life to make it hard to hide. I'm going to build relationships, I'm going to build community, and I'm going to establish people in my life that I trust. Because here's the truth, all right, and this is the key. Not everyone has a right to know everything about us. Can I get an amen? You just don't walk up to your neighbor and go, hey, I just got a spill. I'm in a struggle with pornography, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I've been beating my wife, my dog, and my cat hates me, and, you know, the kids don't even know my name. And your neighbor's like, click, close the door. You know, honey, call the realtor. We got a, we got a madman next door. Let's get out of here. You know, we, we don't do that. Not everyone has a right to know everything, but you need more than just your family to speak into your life. Listen, those of you that are they're newlyweds, you need more than your spouse to create community in your life. Now, some of you don't, you know, oh, she's all I need, he's all, oh yeah, wait, okay? <laughs> 31 years, we walk together, we've known each other, but let me tell you something. There are things that we need outside of us to help us become the people we are called to be. It doesn't take away from our relationship. It builds a relationship around it. Honestly, I kind of like, 
I've learned to like the pressure a little bit of my title. I really do. Because we live in a community, you would think Charlotte, a million people and all that, you know, we're, we're all kind of anonymous. I am telling you, if you're a follower of Christ, you're not anonymous. And if you're a pastor, you're definitely not anonymous because it never fails. In the moment you want your flesh to, to really come out, God has a way of messing with you, all right? No joke, this week I go to Starbucks after the storm, right? And they have the slowest barista in the world working because Caitlin wasn't there. And I was working, I'm like, I just want my coffee. And then people are ordering like these double cappuccino, whatever, you know, I'm like, please, I just want coffee. And I finally get up to the line. I'm literally 15 minutes into this, and I'm a caffeine. I need it, right? And, and just as I'm coming up the line, I, I feel this figure come and swoop right in front of me to the cashier. And I'm thinking, you're cutting the line? Are you kidding me? And my flesh is rising up, and I'm ready to just, like, tell him what it is. I look over, and it's April Walker from Hope Church. <laughs> and she smiles and says, hey, Pastor, how you doing? They messed up my order in the drive-thru. I came here to fix it. I'm like, oh, hey, that's cool. High five. Hey, yeah. Woo. Sure glad I didn't just kind of like, uh, mm, yeah. It, it's just living in that way that you never know because it helps us to walk it out. Here's the other reason we need this, and I think it's so important. Listen, some things in life are too big for us to carry alone. Some things in this life are too big for us to carry alone. Galatians 2 says this, carry each other's burdens, known, lovingly supported, right? And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Now, I read that, and I'm like, all right, Paul, what is it? Which, which one is it? Carry each other's burdens or carry your own load? Well, it's interesting when you read that scripture and you break it down to what he was saying in the original language, he was saying the first thing when he says we should bear each other's burdens, he was speaking about that there are heavy loads in our lives that require someone else to carry those with us. There are some things we cannot handle alone. There are certain things that God says, you know what, you need others into your life. But he said, but there are other things that are just the normal cares of life that you should carry on your own. You, it's kind of like putting a backpack on. You should be able to, to walk through those yourself because guess what? We can't always be relying on everybody else. There's some things we just have to carry, and that's why we have the relationship with God and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and the Word of God richly in our lives. But even as a Spirit-filled believer, there are times that you hit life head on and you go, I can't carry this alone. I need someone in my life. I need help. And here's the reality. People are willing to help. But you've got to choose privacy or help. It's up to you. Community or help. It's up to you. Because here's what happens. We want to be anonymous. We want to nobody know our issues until they hit the wall and we struggle. And then all of a sudden we get mad because nobody's there to help us. Well, don't they know? No, they don't know. Because all they know is the image of you, not the real you. And in Southern church culture, guess what we bring to church on Sunday? The image of us, right? Bless you. How's it go? Oh, I'm so blessed. Really, I read your Facebook page. You're not blessed, okay? Oh, life is just so awesome. Praise his name. Come on. Be real. You're struggling. It's okay. But what do we do about that? We want to come help you. Now listen, God is not calling us to be spiritual exhibitionists, okay? He doesn't call us to walk in here on Sunday, oh, if you only knew the week I had, and you only, and you, you know, believe me, no one's going to want to sit near you. That, that's not what he's saying. 
You don't do that in public setting, but we do it in community together. Because here's what happens when we don't get together. We don't fulfill all the God's word to us. Listen, we need to recognize there are certain things that are too big to face alone. And then we also need to recognize that if we are alone, then we can't even fulfill one thing that brings our healing, and that is confession. Did you know that confession is not just for Catholics? Can I get a witness? Now, now let me explain that, because I'm not going to set up a booth and you guys start showing up telling me all your junk, all right? (laughs) That's scary. So here's the Catholic tradition, okay? Go to the priest and confess your sins, because it's between you and the man of God, and then he'll represent you to God. Eh, Totally unbiblical. Okay, but here we are the Protestants, and we're like, well, we got it figured out. It's between me and God. I go to the altar. I make it right with him. None of your business. Not biblical. See, both are wrong. Both are wrong, and they're unbiblical. James said earlier, we, I shared it last week, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What he's saying is, it's not a large group activity, but there ought to be people in your life that know you, not just the image of you, that you can literally come to and say, I am struggling with this And I am walking in this area of sin in my life, and I need help. Pray for me. Because here's what it does, and this is why it's so important. You see, Satan would love to keep us in the shame of our sin. He would love to keep us in the shame of our failures and our weaknesses. But when we openly confess to someone who loves us, who knows us, who's there for us, what we're doing is we're removing the shame, and we're breaking the stronghold of that sin over your life. I'm convinced that there are some patterns of sin in our life that cannot be broken just on your own. We need somebody with us. We need somebody we're entrusting. We need somebody to get it to because we're, we're, we're breaking the foothold, the stronghold of the enemy of shame in our life. Because not only does it remove shame, but then it provides support to my life. Because when I come clean to save people, they don't turn on me. They turn toward me. And that's what you want, Amen. They don't go around, oh, did you know what he did? No, they go to God and say, God, you know what he did. And Father, we know you're a gracious God to heal and forgive. God, help us to support them as they find their way, God. Lord, walk in the path of righteousness you called them to. You see, that's church. That's the community of faith. That's what God has called us to be. That's what James is speaking about when he says, look, when somebody's wandering, go after them and bring them back. When someone's drifting, you should know them so well that you can see it before it gets too far and you bring them back. But to do that, you've got to break past the cultural norms of just going to church and start becoming part of the church. And I'm not just preaching that for hope. I mean the church, okay? Because that's really the question. Is this just a program you come to on Sunday or is it something I'm part of and I'm an integral to, the, to, the, to the, not only the carrying it out, but to the health of what's going on around here. I thought it was so cool when David and Alina emailed me and Facebooked me and texted me to make sure I didn't miss any one of those to say, can we dedicate Gunner on this Sunday? And I was like, yes, because I could not have a better object lesson to say, here's a kid that we're going to get to see grow up and work with, but guess what? David and Alina need us to know them and not just the image of them because there are going to be times where Gunner's not going to be so sweet and precious. And there's going to be times when he gets sick, and there's going to be times when it's hard, and there's going to be times when, when life just gets difficult. And you know what? That's when we need other people coming around us going, hey, I'm with you. 
Not little trite, you know, cliches that we do. Oh, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm worried. Okay, then let me walk with you. We've been down that path. Okay? We, I was sharing with someone last week. They were talking about their, their newborn and different things. Denise and I were so blessed. Our first pediatrician gave us two what he called stupid parent visits. Free. He said, just show up because every parent's going to do it. You're going to freak out because you think they're dying. And he did. We took every one of them. Because you don't know some stuff, right? It's the same way when you're a believer. You don't know some stuff. When you're new in faith. And that's why we need each other. We need iron sharpening iron. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in hope. I'm so thankful that it's developing in us. But here's, here's the test, all right? Just four things. We're going to pray together. Just kind of mental test. Where do you stand in this place when it comes to, do I have real community? Am I developing community? Do I, can I even help a wanderer? Because do I even know them? Here, here, here's the test, all right? Four questions for you this morning. Ready? Who are you putting up with? Who are you putting up with? Because Ephesians 4 said that we are to bear with one another. Listen, in, in this setting, we don't have to bear with each other. If I don't like the person sitting next to me, next Sunday I'll sit on the other side of the building, right? And some I mean, of you do that. You move all the time. I don't know where you are. But uh, we don't have to put up. We don't have to bear with each other. But can I tell you that God <laughs> brings people into our lives sometimes to rough us up. Spiritual sandpaper to make us smooth in the rough places. That's why I love community groups, because they're just weird. They just are. They're fun, they're exciting, they're great, but they're weird because they're always, always, you can predict it, it's always there. And if you don't have this in yours, then it's probably not a true community group. There is always an EGR in every group. You know what EGR is? Extra grace required. <laughs> they're the ones that when you go home, you're like, dear God, help me. Become a better person because I want to kill him right now. If I hear that story one more time, I'm going to choke. I mean, come on. All those in Scott's group, how many put up with Justin in your life right now? Come on, right? Okay. So, who are you putting up with? Second question, who am I showing hospitality to? Now, now let's clarify this because some of you, y'all are planners and you love having people over. And all. That is not hospitality. See, hospitality is not when you plan for someone to show up. Hospitality is when they show up and you hadn't planned, okay? So in other words, what stranger, what person that you don't know are you showing the love of God to? What are you, how are you reaching out to them? Because on one hand, it's entertainment. The other is hospitality. So we need to ask ourselves, who am I showing hospitality to? Third question. We're going to wrap this up quickly. Whose burdens am I bearing? When you get on your knees to pray, is it just about you and God? Or are there people that are just stay on your heart until you can't seem to pray enough for them? You see, when I'm known, others can see I need help. And I don't disappear when I'm going through troubles, I press in. Because there are people who will bear my burdens. There are people that know me, not just the image of me, and they let me be real. I have several people like that in my life, some in hope, some outside of hope. And I have no problem at all because I, I know that I need them. And I know that if I'm drifting, if I know that I'm struggling, if I'm going through a tough time, there are people bearing my burdens. So whose burden are you bearing? Who, who are you holding on to? And then finally, <laughs> this is the one that's tough. Who am I confessing my sins to? You're like, eh, it was good till then, Pastor. Who am I confessing my sins to? Your dog doesn't count, Okay. You need this. Why? 
James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's the deal. If no one knows me, then no one's going to help me. If no one knows me, I'm on my own. And I know I may be speaking to some this morning and thinking, thanks, Mike, you're just grinding me down this morning. You're just bringing it down to, to where I, 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 I see my loneliness. And I will tell you, a lot of your loneliness is simply because you've been hurt and you're afraid to open up and say, I want someone to know me and not just the image of me. And you will never break out of that. You'll never break out of, the, of, of that place until you finally say, I'm going to risk love. I'm going to let somebody know me. See, James says there are wanderers all around us. We, we wander from time to time. But he says that we all need to be known. We all need to be supported. We all need to be challenged. You see, if you really want to be a growing, vibrant follower of Christ in this year to come, you've made your resolutions, all that, here's the, here's the number one way I can tell you to do that. Become known in a body of Christ that compares that, that cares for you and that's willing to be honest enough to love you. Because anonymity doesn't get it. And you're like, Pastor, I know what you're going to say. Join a community group. Yes, we have community groups. Can I tell you, it's not, it's not a badge of honor, nor is it a dishonor if you're not part of one. Some of your schedules won't let it happen. We would love for you to be in one. We're looking for some new leaders even to develop more because they work. But here's the reality. Whatever your circumstance, you need to build community outside of just your family. You need more in your life than mama. You need more in your life than just your spouse. And my challenge to you is this. Ask God to show you where you can plug in. Ask God to show you how you can build that. And I guarantee you, he will do that very thing because that's what he desires for your life. So here's what I want this morning. I want to encourage you, gang. Run toward him. If James could, could wrap his letter up with just a, standing behind a pulpit like this, he would say, you know, I've said a lot. And I've shown you a lot, but if I can leave you with one thing, he would say this. Run to God and hang on to God's people because you need both in your life.